0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of The Guy Packing Happiness. It is Friday, and I am so excited for the weekend. I'm excited to spend time with my family. It's been a busy, busy week as always. Um, you wouldn't think that since I've laid off and I'm not working right now, but seriously shout out to all the, the moms out there who are stay at home moms, because it is a full time job, just running your household and taking care of your children and your husbands. So I'm finding that out through my unemployment, (laughs) but luckily I'll be employed soon or hopefully not luckily. Hopefully I'll be employed soon. So today I have with me again uh, for the second time, um, one of my best friends, Victoria rivers, and we're going to talk about something that affected both of us, but definitely affected her a little bit more, I think, which is how a traumatic birth can lead to, um, postpartum. So Victoria say hi. Hi. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) How's everything been going? Like how are the kids doing?
1: Uh they're good. Addie's in preschool right now. Um and Walker's taking a nap. So this is my quiet time <laughs> for the this day. This is
0: your moment. This is my moment. <laughs> <laughs> and is wait, so Addie's in which is she in um what what grade or whatever? How do they
1: she she's just preschool. She goes like nine to noon every day. Uh, they just sing and dance and play on the playground and just gives her some outlets and some friends to hang out with. Um, she's really been going through that toddler phase of temper tantrums and then you know sweet as pie and then back to temper tantrums. Like, yeah. Um, and then it's Locker, a roller coaster. Yeah, and then Walker just turned one, which is Yay. crazy. Um, I saw the cake picture. so adorable him. I know you so cute um, we had a little party for him he is into everything oh my god really? like he's crawling everywhere he's standing up on everything everything's in his mouth like I am just like we're baby proofing all over the place because I was just constantly trying to get him to not do things <laughs> like just get yeah get out of the drawer <laughs> don't Lick the dog bowl, like, like and just chase him lick around. the dog bowl, he, oh my Every God. single time, every single time he beelines it for the dog bowl. I'm like, why?
0: <laughs> you are not a dog. You are not a dog.
1: Leave the dog bowl alone. You're a human Pretty much like, yeah. So it's like, I just chase him around all day.
0: Well, and I was telling Victoria that yesterday um, we put Maddie on timeout because she's definitely going through – temper tantrum twos as well and um, she was on timeout in her crib because that's the only place that we thought could restrain her but we were wrong because she climbed out and on her way out she didn't fall on the ground but she actually hit her face uh, against the rails and she sort of like bit her lip and it was bleeding and it looked way worse than it was but of course like William and I felt awful like we, We're bad parents. Like we couldn't believe that that had happened. So now we're getting her a toddler bed because now she's like able to climb out of the crib. So now I'm like, how am I going to stop her from like getting out of her bed whenever she wants and coming into like either coming downstairs or coming into our room? Like that's she always wants to come to the big bed. So like that's our our bedroom. So we have to figure out how we're going to stop that. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I, I don't know. I'm I'm not there yet so I, I don't have any advice on that one.
0: I know. Well, just I'll give you advice once I have some to give, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have any right now. Um, yeah. So today, guys, we wanted to talk about birth trauma. Both me and Victoria experienced it for sure. I'm just going to read something that I found online about what it is and like how it can affect you. So what is birth trauma? Birth trauma is an intense feeling of distress that can happen during labor or after you've given birth. It's typically the result of a physical or emotional experience or both that happened during birth. That was painful, scary, difficult, unexpected, or upsetting. And then, uh, let me scroll down here. Can a traumatic birth experience lead to postpartum PTSD? Yes, it's possible. Some birth experiences are traumatic, not just disappointing and can cause long lasting emotional and physical repercussions. Both subjective and objective experiences can lead to postpartum mental health conditions, whether you perceive trauma or there was an objective medical trauma, such as a near death experience. So that's a pretty good explanation of it. Um, I'm going to quickly just say what happened to me. And then I really want to focus on Victoria's story. I was told that my baby was measuring big um, at around 38 weeks, 37 weeks. And so they wanted to bring me in a week early and induce me, which they did. And the induction just, she wouldn't come. And it lasted, I think I've said on the podcast before, like about 54 hours before they decided to have me but before she actually made it to where I could push and so then I pushed for 4 hours she still wouldn't come and the whole time like the air conditioning wasn't working in my room like the air the vent that was right over my bed wasn't working and as somebody who gets like really overheated I was so uncomfortable and they kept bringing in the ice packs that you break and they get cold and they were like packing me in ice as if I was like a mummy or something like that and they were trying to keep me cool, but like they just couldn't because I was so uncomfortable. And my, um, epidural wore off for about an hour and I was feeling all the pain until he came back and gave me like an extra shot or something. So I couldn't feel anything as I was pushing. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I was pushing or not. Um, so after about four hours, like her heart rate was going up and my blood pressure was going up. And so they decided to do a C-section And I was just splayed out like Jesus on the cross. Like I couldn't even like move my arms. There was nothing I could do. And they just like cut her out of me in like five minutes to 15 minutes. And there she was. And they put her on my chest. And I think for me, it just was so much action and so much discomfort and so long of a birth that I just couldn't deal with like the, I didn't want to bond at that minute, that moment. I was just so exhausted, so exhausted. I was losing blood. They were giving me things in my mouth to like suck on so that I would, I wouldn't lose blood anymore. Like it was just like chaos. And, um, you know, they put the baby on me and then they of course take you away right away and have you try to latch. And I can't even feel anything. My arms are still numb. My legs are totally numb and swollen. And they're putting like the leg massagers on me to get me going again. And there's so much action. And I think for sure for me, it just made those next seven days where I was in the hospital recovering from the C-section. And since she was in the birth canal for longer than she should have been, she had they thought an infection maybe. So they had her on a course of antibiotics. So we were there for seven days and it was during the COVID pandemic. So no one could visit. It was just me and William. And I do think that it interrupted what could have been my bonding time. And I think that it was such an unpleasant experience that I just felt a mess. Like, I just felt like my body had been split open and this, you know, we'd done all of this induction to avoid a C-section and there we had a C-section anyway. And so I just felt like, though well, they kind of failed me. I felt like the medical team sort of failed me, you know, putting me through all that when really, if we had waited till she was to term, I think she would have come naturally is what I really think. So anyway, um, I think my anxiety came later, like the next couple weeks. I don't know that I'm sure the birth affected me, um, but I think the main effect was just not bonding with her right away because I just wasn't feeling like bonding with anything. I was so exhausted and just so in shocked by everything that had just happened to me. So with that, we'll go into Victoria's story. Um, I think that it is um, much more telling in terms of like how it can lead to postpartum you know, stress or postpartum anxiety. So Go ahead, Victoria, tell your story.
1: Okay. Um, So I'll kind of go back. I'll tell it the best I can. And if I get a little bit uh, graphic on the medical details, I apologize for that. But birth can be a little bit graphic. (laughs) Yeah, graphic. (laughs) Um, Okay. So they wanted to induce me at 39 weeks because I have an issue with my adrenal. So it's just kind of standard. Everything was fine. But they were like, no, this is just what we do induced at 39 weeks. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I, you know, I'm a nurse. I know medical stuff. I'll be fine. Whatever. I got this. I didn't do any of the classes. I didn't do any of the, the doulas or any of those extra things. I was just like, nah, I, I don't need any of that. So we went in, um, they I had a nurse, the first nurse I had, she was, she was a traveler. I'm not saying all travelers are terrible. I've worked with some great travelers. But she was horrible. Mm. And she just started off the experience really negatively. So they induced labor with uh, Cervidil, which is they put it in your cervix. And I kept – I told her, like, you didn't put it far enough up. Like, it's it's hanging out. Like, and now everything just feels swollen. And she was like, oh, no, no, no. And then she just ignored me. And then she just let me contract. Like, it it can cause, like, hypercontractions. So I was contracting, like, every 30 seconds for six hours. And she just never walked back in the room. So in my head, I'm it's labor. You're supposed to be in pain. Like, everyone's – it's the middle of the night because they start inductions at 8 o'clock at night. Um, so Aaron's kind of in and out of sleep. Uh After six hours, finally, the charge nurse came in and she's like, what is going on in here? She's like, I was looking at your monitor, like, you should not be contracting like that. Like, literally every 30 seconds, I was like, contracting no pain medicine. No one came in to check. Like, she just didn't come in the room. And then finally, the charge nurse made her come in. So she came in and then... I told her I felt like the servito was in the wrong spot. So then she tried to uh, push it in as far as she could, which was excruciatingly painful because at that point, everything's swollen and painful and yeah. like opening. Um, so I was like screaming bloody murder. And then she just pulled it out and she's like, Oh, whoops. And I was <sighs> like, what is happening right now? <sighs> uh, so then she left the charge nurse kind of took over. She finally gave me some fentanyl after like six hours of uh, contracting every 30 seconds. The contractions slowed down because the cervidol was now out and then they slowed down like too much. So then they were like, okay, now we got to start Pitocin. Um, So that's when they started Pitocin started having like some more regular contractions. That was the beginning of my experience from there. It just got worse. Um, so the anesthesiologist came in. He's like, Okay, we're gonna do your epidural. In my head, it's like, oh, epidural, everything's gonna be fine after that. Like, I was like, never wanted to do a natural birth. That was not my birth plan. I wanted to be <laughs> as yeah. medicated as possible, as comfortable as possible. Like, yeah, I was like, Yes, epidural. So he comes in and initially he puts the epidural my understanding of this is a little bit limited because I'm not an anesthesiologist, but my understanding is that he put uh, the epidural into my vein instead of, uh, like, the spine. So when he pushed, I'm not sure exactly what they pushed, epi, ephedra, or something like that, um, to see if it's in the vein where it's not supposed to be. Because if they put the, the medicine through there, it'll kill you. Um. Oh my God. So when he pushed it, I got a positive test result, which means my heart rate shot up to 180. I couldn't see I couldn't hear anything. I felt myself passing out. I was terrified. My husband's there looking at the monitor, he sees my heart rate go from like 60 to 180. And he's like, Oh my god, what's happening? I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. Like, oh I was god. like, I'm passing out I'm passing out something's wrong. And, <laughs> and like, He's like, okay, so that's a positive test result. So we need to take that out. Um, and the nurse told me, She's like, Oh my god, I've been doing this like 15 years and I've never seen a positive test result. They net like they always, comforting. Test for it, but I've never actually seen it. I'm like, Oh, lucky me. I'm so glad yeah. I can help you with that. So then he does it again and he just completely misses. I don't know what he was doing. And then he does it again. And my interpretation was that he maybe did it too high, because I couldn't feel anything from like, the neck down at that point, like my arms were numb, my chest was numb, I was like, I can't breathe, like, I can't, I can't feel my diaphragm enough to breathe. And I kept feeling like I was going to pass out, my heart rate kept going up, my blood pressure kept going down, I was just like positive in that moment, like after that, that I was going to die. I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it through this alive after like feeling like this. All I feel is a pain and then I'm passing out and then my blood pressure's tanking. Like I was, I I was like, I'm not surviving this. Like there's no, there's just no way. So then the doctor comes in. So after um, the anesthesiologist put it too high, he finally comes back in and he's like, I don't really know what's wrong. He just turns it off leaves, never comes back. And I was like, okay. Like, I I mean, like everything's happening at this time. You're contracting the whole time that, you know, nurses in and out, like so many things are happening. You're like, I, I don't understand what's going on. So then the doctor comes in, my doctor, my OB comes in and she's like, well, you've been kind of stuck at this, uh, like, Three centimeters for a while, like all throughout the induction, all through the cervidol, all through the pitocin. She's like, I think we should just break your water and just speed things along. Otherwise, this is gonna like take a long time. So I was like, I mean, okay, I take your word for it. I don't think she realized though that the epidural was off. Like there, there was no pain medicine at this point. Oh my So God. and she's like, ah, I'll probably take a while. I'll, I'll be back in the morning. Like you know. you'll probably deliver by the time I get back. So she breaks my water and then she leaves. And then like, I want to say like 30 minutes later, I was like, Oh my God, something's wrong. Like I have this insane pressure. Like I have to push, like, this is so painful. Like I have to push. And the nurse was like, no, we just checked you. Like, there's no way you're like that far along that fast. And I was like, I'm telling you, like, I feel like so much pressure I have to push so she checked again she's like oh okay you're at 10 centimeters like you you need to push and I was like oh my god no pain medicine whatsoever um so I pushed for about an hour excruciating pain I don't know how to I felt like like I'd rather have someone just break my arm like it was so painful pushing through these insane contractions and the doctor didn't come in until the last, like, five minutes or so. Um, so I'm I'm literally screaming, bloody murder. <laughs> like, it's, like, probably yeah. sounded horrible down the hospital, like, with the, the amount of pain. And they didn't give me anything. The epidural was off. And then the doctor finally comes in. And at that point, I guess she was showing some, like, uh, D-cells on the monitor. So they're like, okay, we just have to get her out. She's so close, like her head's right there. We just have to get her out. So then the doctor uh, suctioned her out. And she started listing off like, "Here's the risk. Here's the benefits." Da da da. I have no idea what she said. I was <sighs> in a different planet at that point. I was like, "This is this is the end for me." Like i mm-hmm. i I wasn't thinking about the baby. I wasn't thinking about. I, I was just like, I just thought I was dying for sure. Like the pain was just too too far out there. Um, so then she finally, she finally suctions her out. Um, I tore really, really, really bad. Um, like in a, in a circle, basically, I think I had something like, I don't know how many stitches, but it took a long time to suture me up. Um, but I could feel everything. I could feel it rip open. I guess they call that the ring of fire. Didn't know that was a thing. Um,
0: I've heard of that. Yeah, I
1: didn't know that. But everything just basically tore and ripped open, and then, and then she was finally out. And then they put her on my chest, like I was supposed to. <laughs> I was supposed the to be baby. happy and like bonding, <laughs> and like they're like here, you know, like shoving my boob in her mouth, and I'm like, I literally feel like I've been hit by a truck. <laughs> I would have rather been hit by a truck than experience that.
0: Yeah. Like.
1: So, no, I couldn't bond with her. No, I couldn't feel anything. I felt like half of a human. And then they, you know, they stick her on your boob right away. They don't tell you, or at least nobody told me, like, how to breastfeed. So I thought it was just, oh, they just know how to do it, which, of course, is not true. So then you get blistering and cracking. And they just, she just stayed on there for, like, 30 minutes just blistering my nipple up. And I, I had no idea that that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um and then they're like, okay, now you have to go to the bathroom, and I was like, okay. They're like, and once you go to the bathroom, then we can move you to postpartum. And I was like, okay. So, oh my gosh, um, I go to the bathroom. They hand me like the Perry bottle and stuff. If for anyone who's given birth, there's like a the spray and the Perry bottle they always give you. They mm-hmm. didn't tell me what to do with it, so I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't. <laughs> I had no idea that that was supposed to help me in some way. They just handed it to me. So I was, I just went and went to the bathroom. And when you pee on fresh sutures, bleeding, it's like, holy crap. That was like, I, I think I saw stars in that moment. Oh. Um, and then, so that was kind of the end of the postpartum story. <laughs> But then you get to your postpartum room, the baby's trying to latch, your milk hasn't come in, you're exhausted, you're bleeding, you're tired, you're in pain,
0: Mm -hmm. swollen,
1: I like swelled up really bad, Um, and then you don't sleep.
0: Nope, Nope. because people are coming in like every five minutes to check on you.
1: Yeah, and then they they told me anyways to feed the baby every two hours, make sure she gains weight. So in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to make sure she gains weight. So I'm going to set my alarm for every two hours on the dot to make sure I'm trying to feed her and breastfeed and and, um, get her all the calories she needs, which is way too, like, obsessive. But I think that's how most first parents are. That's
0: what I did. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and so you never sleep. And then you breastfeed them for a while. They don't really go back to sleep. You got to change them. You're up for like an hour. You sleep for maybe an hour and then you're up for like an hour. So, between the birth, the labor, the sleep deprivation, I mean, I was done. By the time I got home, I was so anxious. Like, I hadn't, I'd never felt that kind of anxiety before. I was like, I, I, I was like crawling out of my skin. Mm, So it happened right away. Right away for me. And everybody's different in this way. But that's why I feel like it's so closely associated with my my birth and everything. Was because I felt okay-ish in the hospital. I was only there for like two days. And then the second I got home, I was like, something's not right. Like, Mm. I do not feel okay. I can't calm down. I can't think. I can't eat. I can't do anything.
0: The no eating was a big sign for me because you'd think like after, cause you don't eat while you're in labor, you know, yeah. and then they have horrible hospital food. So you think when you get home, you're going to want like in and out or something like that. And I was the same as you. I was just like, what? I feel like I got hit by a bus. Like, I don't, yeah feel like eating anything. I wasn't necessarily anxious yet. I just didn't know. Like I just felt very out of it. You know, just yeah. not myself at
1: all. Yeah. And then interestingly enough, this is just a little tidbit cuz my birth story is over. Sorry if that was too long. No, um good. so they put me in the same room with Walker as with Addie and like I had the worst like PTSD, like flashbacks. I started like crying. I was like, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out. (laughs) Did they switch you? Yeah. So they switched, they switched me rooms. I was like, that was, that was horrendous. So I'm still right now working through PTSD from the labor. Um, but it's going well. I feel like I'm really starting to get finally past it.
0: So in the beginning though, like when it was still affecting you, um, It's now been like Addy's almost three. So it's like for the last three years, you've been feeling the effects of the PTSD from the labor, right?
1: Yeah, I couldn't talk about it for a really long time. Every time, every time I would start talking about it, I would burst into tears and like Mm. start panicking and shaking. And yeah, I just I couldn't even get like the words out even with my therapist. So after a few years, like dealing with the anxiety and getting that under control, I was like, okay, I need to do something about this because I'm okay until somebody mentions it or it comes up or, you know, I have to talk about it. And then it goes back into, I'm not okay again. So that's, I think it was three, four months ago that I finally decided to do EMDR. Mm-hmm. Is there a doing that too. For that. Yeah. yeah. And um, how's that going? I mean, it. It is helping. It is helping because like, I really do feel like I can talk about it now and, and not get so, not be so attached to the story. Like,
0: you seem like you're doing fine right now. Okay. Telling the story, (laughs) you know, you just told it the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Usually. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't even talk about it in therapy. I would just start crying and shaking. So, I mean, it's a scary thing when, uh, you're like, sure, you're going to die like that, you know, and you're like, we're not going to survive this, not just me, but me and my baby are not going to survive this.
0: So you really thought you were going to die?
1: Oh, yeah. in that in that moment, for sure. I was like,
0: okay. Oh, my gosh, I can't imagine I didn't have that level of um, trauma. Like I didn't think I was going to die. I just knew that I was extremely uncomfortable and upset and that this whole thing was unnecessary. I felt, you know, I thought if they had just let her come at her normal time and she didn't come out big, she came out seven pounds, nine ounces. So she wasn't this big 10 pound baby that they thought I wasn't going to be able to push out, you know? Um, So after you came home and you, so that's immediately like when your anxiety started. Mm Mm-hmm. And then did it kind of just permeate everything else? Like, you're not just thinking about your birth trauma, but now you're thinking about being a mom, Mm -hmm. all the things that you're supposed to do, and your anxiety stopping you from doing those things, right? Exactly.
1: And then it's also, all of a sudden, you're supposed to just know how to be a mom. Yeah. Like, from one day to the next. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, and everyone just, the way people describe it to you is like, oh, you just know. Like, you just, once you become a mom, you just, you just know what to do. That's not, that was not true for me. That, not me either, no. Yeah, like, now I feel like I know what to do. <laughs> but that took time. That, that going from being a, like, a person with complete autonomy that does things on their own, on their schedule, to someone who's completely devoted to another human being, Um, it's a, it's a transition. There's a transition period into becoming a mother. And it can take a varied amount of time, I think. I Um, mean, for me, it took years to really, to really feel like, honestly, it wasn't really till Walker came that I was like, oh, I got this now. Like once I started figuring out the two of them and how to handle both of them at the same time, I was like, oh, I am a mom. Okay. That's
0: how, that's kind of why I want to have a second because I just want to do everything again, knowing that I can do it. You know, because yeah. I think when you do it for the first time, you're kind of like, okay, like I'm doing this. Am I doing it right? How am I supposed to feel? What, you know, all this, this like, this stress on your feelings and how you're supposed to feel bonded and how you're supposed to love doing all of these things. And it's all supposed to come naturally. And I just want to let the mamas out there know, like, to listen to this story. from Victoria and me, you know, it takes time. And like she said, there is a transition period into becoming a mother. I haven't actually met one person once they tell me their real story that, that went home feeling like a mom and everything worked out just fine. I mean, I think a lot of people, if not everyone has a certain degree of postpartum illness after they give birth or postpartum. I don't know if I would call it an illness, but a postpartum situation, you know, where you're changing your life. Like you just said, Victoria, like your life becomes all about this little baby in an instant. It just happens like in an instant. And then suddenly you leave your home as a couple or as like, I'll say as a couple for your first baby. And then you come home as a family and you're the mama, you're the mother, you're supposed to know what to do. And it's just really, to me, was very anxiety provoking. Um, So, yeah, I just want the moms out there who are stressing about, you know, why aren't I feeling this? Why aren't I feeling that? Like, it could take months. It could take years, you know, and I'm not saying it should take years. I think Victoria and I are a little unique because of what we went through, um, but it can take a long time. And so all you have to do in the beginning really is keep the baby alive <laughs> and do what you need to do to, you know, feed the baby, change the diapers, give them their backs, keep them alive. That's your job, you know, yeah. and you don't have to feel any way. Like you just feel the way you feel.
1: Yeah. And accept, accept help especially from people who have done it before, Accept yes. help. Like there's, for some reason the society has told us like, you're the mom, you do everything. Mm. And it's like, that's not how this is supposed to work. You should feel supportive. You just gave birth. You just grew a whole human. Then gave birth to them. And now you have to take care of them. Like you need help to do that. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you need support, help, love. And that's the other transition that's really hard to, um, like come around to is like, after you have the baby, everything's the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby, no one's like, Hey, how are you?
0: <laughs> like, well, there is that little doctor's note that you fill out. That's such bullshit. <laughs> it says, you know, how are you feeling? You're like, I'm not going to tell the truth yeah, to the pediatrician who could possibly take my child away. Like, right. I don't know. You just yeah. aren't going to do that. That's unrealistic. Yeah. Um, and then the second time around, you had a night nurse, right? You did oh, things God. differently. So the second talk about time, how you did things differently, and it like was much better. But,
1: whole different story. So it's like basically <laughs> not, basically night and day. Um, so the second time around, I elected for a C section. I was like, I can't I can't go into labor. I can't do it again. Every, not that I can't do it, it. Every time I think about it, it brings me back to the first time, and then I start panicking, and I don't want to bring that energy into the new baby. So I was like, I'm just going to, I'm having an elective C-section. I had tons of people try to talk me out of it. Nurses, doctors, like, no, that's a surgery. You shouldn't do that. It'll be better this time. First of all, they don't know what I went through, and there's no reason for them to enforce their opinion on me. I'm telling you, I want to have an elective C-section, and That's it. I know Mm -hmm. mentally that's where I was at because I hadn't worked through the birth yet. So my, but my OB was actually good. She's like, I told her what happened with my labor. She's like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. We should do a (laughs) C-section. Did you switch OBs? I switched OBs. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. hundred percent. So then she, but she, she was better and she was understanding. And so we had an elective C-section I went in in the morning, I had a time I was going to deliver besides that little blip of them putting me in the the same room as Addie (laughs) and me panicking. After that, everything calmed down. It was very, it was very scheduled. So I didn't have the experience with C-sections that a lot of people have where it's rushed and it's emergent and we got to get it out now. It wasn't like that. It was like, I wasn't in labor. It could happen, you know, anytime today, um, whenever they're ready. I told them everyone knew about my experience. Everyone knew that I would need more support. I had a doula there with me. Um, and I told the anesthesiologist all about the first time. She she was well prepared. And I, I also said, like, because I was at the same hospital, that the last anesthesiologist would, would never come near me. He was not allowed to come near me. I would absolutely not um great job advocating for
0: yourself that's so important
1: yeah i mean that was the number one thing (laughs) like it's it's not that guy um so with someone else uh c-section went really smooth i mean it's it's, yeah it's painful they put the needle in your back it hurts you you know i got nauseous they gave me some nausea medicine they gave me some zofran um but then they took him out and it was like my the first thought in my head was give me my baby oh which is not how I felt with Addie because I felt like someone had just run over me so I was like it was a whole different feeling because I was still there it was still me I was still functional I was still thinking straight
0: you feel your arms and I could
1: well no I couldn't feel my arms because I had that The oh you I, still couldn't okay yeah no I couldn't feel my arms but But that was fine, like, because I could see him and I could, like, think straight. I wasn't, you know. Um, So they take him out and they put him over to me. And within 10 seconds, he latched. He was just ready to be, like, with Mama. And I felt this instant, okay, this is what was supposed to happen the first time. Now I get it. Now I understand why they do that. Um, Yeah. And then they took that's me great. into recovery. I still felt, I was still, you're numb for like 24 hours. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, they put enough medicine in, in you and it was like, I didn't really feel anything. I felt fine. <laughs> I was nauseous. I couldn't eat anything, but like, whatever. I mean, I kept saying if that's the worst, that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> compared to the, the first time. time. Yeah, And then, um, I mean, yeah, the recovery is, you're sore, but I was prepared for that. I think that, I think that a lot of people, if you're not prepared for that and you didn't want to have like surgery and then all of a sudden you you can't sit up, um, that's a much scarier situation. But for me, it was like, I was prepared for the C session. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it was, it was fine. And then, you know, I had a night nurse lined up. I had therapy lined up. I had a psychiatrist lined up. I had all the people that were specialized in this lined up. Like I. I was ready.
0: (laughs) That's what I would do for my second is be completely ready. Like I want like my mother in law or whoever, you know, my mother maybe to move in for the first like month and just help with everything, like help with the baby at night, help with cooking, cleaning, groceries, all that stuff so that I can like, I want to do it like the Chinese way, you know, where I'm just laying in bed and everybody brings my baby to me and I just nurse and then hand the baby back. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel, but, um, it sounds like you felt very bonded to Walker from the beginning, which is
1: awesome. Yeah. It was just, it was just a whole different experience because I felt rested and I felt calm. And the other thing that I have to mention is, um, I was not on any anxiety medication all through my pregnancy with Walker. I Decided to go on anxiety medication, um, Prozac, like right away after him. Like I had this psychiatrist lined up that was a specialist in that. She knew everything about breastfeeding as well as you know medications. And um, Perry so Needle i
0: psychiatrist
1: right after he came out. So that made a difference too.
0: Yeah, because it
1: like it worked for you. Yeah, it, it worked and it was like the right the right thing. So and then the night nurse. I had a night nurse. I saved for like six months because I was determined not to go through that.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> sleep yeah. again, um, especially with a now with a two year old as well as a newborn. So she was there four days a week for the just the first two months. It was just so nice because she was so loving and so supportive, and she would just come over at 10 p.m. She'd be like, "Give me the baby, go to bed." Don't worry about anything. She would bring him to me a nurse and then she'd take him back and do all the other things. And it was just it was just so like wonderful when she would show up. It was like the biggest weight off my shoulders, like. How
0: often did she come?
1: She came 4 days a week uh for 2 months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How much
0: did that cost if you don't mind me asking?
1: <laughs> um <laughs> It well, was just fun.
0: good information for people. Yeah.
1: So it was forty five dollars an hour, um, and eight hours a night. So I think it added up to around when all was said and done, about like ten thousand. Okay, yeah, for yeah your but, Sanity for your sanity, yeah. I, but yeah. I was saving. I was like saving like uh, like a thousand a month mm-hmm. to pay for that. I was like, this is going to that. Like this is for me. Yeah. That's what I needed. Um, and it was just, it just made all the difference.
0: Yeah. Cause I think when you had Walker, I noticed for sure that it was a totally different experience for you. And I know that like, if I ever have a second, which I'm not sure, um, I just like would do things completely differently as well, because I know, and I wouldn't let a doctor talk me into an induction. That's for sure. I would just say, I want to wait till the baby is ready. You can always, you know, do a C-section if you, I'm going to be a C-section anyway, because it's highly unlikely they're going to do a V-back, you know, it's like not done very often. I don't think, um, I would love to push my baby out, but I don't know if I'm going to have that opportunity. So, and like you said, like the night nurse and just having the help. And I just think I would do things so differently and I wouldn't worry if I didn't feel a certain way you know, mm-hmm. like luckily for you, you felt it. You felt that instant love. Like I, and I always loved my daughter. Like that wasn't a question. Like I thought she was the cutest thing I'd ever seen when I first saw her and I just felt really blessed to have her, but I just didn't feel that instant bond and connectedness to
1: her. I don't, so, I don't know if it was an instant bond. I think like you're saying, I just didn't put pressure on it to be anything that it wasn't. It right. didn't it wasn't, I knew that didn't matter. It was just like, he's going to be what he is. Our relationship's going to be what it is. And like, he'll, you know, grow into a tiny human like the other one. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. And I was like, huh? that's what moms need to hear. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? It's it doesn't like, matter. Yeah. You just have to, you know, you have your healthy baby and then. You just have to go through the motions if you feel like that, you know. And, and it's okay. It's okay to not feel that bond right away. And it's awesome if you do feel it right away. You know that that's great. If you're like the fairy tale, which I haven't met one mom who who is when they finally tell me the truth about their birth experience, they'll say, you know, I don't know. Actually, I actually don't think I did feel that way. at First, I think it took a while.
1: Yeah. So especially with the first one, I've heard that from pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah, pretty much everyone. So like, don't put pressure on yourself to feel the way Instagram tells you, you should feel, you know, and to look the way Instagram tells you, you should look, um, Victoria and I have definitely battled, um, our body, um, just how we feel about our postpartum bodies. That's another thing that, you know, it just takes some getting used to, um, you know, there's, there's lots of things that happen when you become a mother. And it's not talked about enough and you just have to let it be like, let it be whatever it's going to be, you know, yeah. for you.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say not, not putting um, pressure on it, but with Walker it was also a different experience in that with Addie, I was afraid to hold her. So I was like afraid something bad was going to happen. And then with Walker, I wouldn't let like anyone hold him. <laughs> Like, he was, like, a permanent fixture on my chest for, like, the first two months.
0: Aww. Do you think that was, like, like you should have let other people hold him? Or do you think that was just how you felt? You just felt really bonded. No, he's mine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah,
1: I think I was just more calm this time. So I was able to do that. And I just felt like he felt my calmness and he felt comfortable on me. And that's just where he wanted to sleep. So awesome. I love that.
0: Um, I just really want to, because we're 42 minutes in, I just want to switch really quick to talking about how these effects can kind of last. um, And I think moms need to know that like sometimes when you have a bad case of postpartum, the effects of it, like whether it be, you know, intrusive thoughts or anxiety or PTSD from a birth, um, they can last for unfortunately a couple of years. That doesn't mean you spend those years miserable. It just means that you're kind of always monitoring how you're feeling and you're getting, you know, care and treatment from psychiatrists and therapists and you're having to deal with it. And I think a lot of people are like postpartum probably last, a couple months and then it's poof, it disappears. And that's like, at least not the case with me. Um, I've had to deal with the anxiety ever since, and I still do. It's so much better. It's night and day, but I still deal with it. And when I think about having Maddie in those first few days and months, I still have some post I would say PTSD from like how I felt. So, and Victoria, you're still dealing with, some of the intrusive thoughts, right?
1: Yeah. I from still OCD I still deal with that. The It's very connected to the postpartum experience for me. So the further I get away from it, I mean, Walker's only one, but the mm-hmm. further I get away from the postpartum, I feel like the, the lesser it is. Um, but I, I definitely, I definitely still deal with that. I still deal with anxiety here and there. Um, I just am much better at working through it, coping with it, um, getting help for it, all the, all the things like nothing was, nothing could compare to like the first three months after daddy was born. Right.
0: I think like being able to acknowledge that you need help, you know, when you do, Um, like you said, you had your whole team lined up when Walker was born. I think that's so important. You also have to have a team that's going to stay with you, like through the journey of, you know, your postpartum journey. And it's like, for me, my therapist has been clutch. Like she's just so important because she was there through the whole thing, right. The whole rigmarole of like the trauma and then the extreme anxiety and going, getting treatment for it. and, And then coming home and being a mother and feeling the way I wanted to feel again. So I love having the same therapist that I've had for like almost two years now, and I have a psychiatrist that's different, but he's very academic and very like thorough and i need that's what I need for me and um so those are my that's my team, you know, and I feel very comforted that I can call either one of them and they'll call me back if I haven't you know if I'm really not feeling well, but it's very rare that i really don't feel well anymore. You know, it's like gotten so much better, but just letting moms know, like it can last, like it can go on, unfortunately. And you, like Victoria said, you just learn coping skills and you learn how to get through it on your own.
1: Yeah. And it's not as, as scary or insurmountable. And I yeah. think also like for for you and me, like helping other people through it is a big part of it too. Like, yeah. like it almost helps us heal ourselves to advocate for other women and try to make sure like it doesn't happen like that for them. So they know what to expect.
0: I mean, that's a big part of me doing this podcast is it helped my healing as well to tell my story. And it feels like some of the, the bad, the worst parts of my story feel so far away from me now. Um, but I think getting it out there into the open and letting people know, like, Hey, I'm someone you would look at and you would never know that I went through all this, but I did. And if I did, then you, anybody can be hit with this when they have a baby. So I just, you know, yeah, it's helped me to tell my story for sure. And I'm glad it's helped you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I always, now I try to always advocate, like, Anyone I see that's about to have their first baby or whatever, I'm like, I try to always make sure they're well supported. Anything I can do, help, check in with them after the baby, ask them how they are doing, if they need anything like support, friendship, coffee, whatever it may be. So
0: iced coffee. Iced coffee is
1: about
0: (laughs) Victoria has an iced coffee and I'm very jealous. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to make one after I got those, um, the cold brews from Costco. So, oh, yeah. and I just pour it into a glass and then I put my cream and sugar in and it's like, it's my iced coffee, put some ice in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, off topic, but <laughs> <laughs> so that, I think that's basically, you know, we just wanted to get on here and tell our stories and talk about, um, the PTSD that can happen, from birth trauma, especially like what happened to Victoria and just, um, really spreading the word about, you know, the effects that can last and that you can get through them. You just need to learn your coping skills. And if it means that you like meditate or write in a journal or you distract yourself or you lay down and take a nap, like whatever it needs to be just to get through those moments where you're like, Oh, I'm feeling anxious or I'm not feeling good like just do that, you know, and it gets easier. It really, really gets better. Yeah. And also
1: I just, I want people to know that like, just because you're anxious or depressed or whatever it may be, that doesn't make you weak. And it doesn't make you weak. If you feel like medication is helpful or therapy is helpful, that just makes you human. Honestly, everybody has those feelings at some point or another, everyone goes through things. Transition to motherhood is the Biggest thing you're ever going to go through, most likely. Mm-hmm. So it is okay to feel that, and if a little bit of medication makes it easier to go through that process, then just don't worry about it. Don't. No one's judging you. Everyone. Everyone's so afraid to to say like, "Oh my God, I took an SSRI." Like you and everyone else. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not an embarrassing thing anymore. We have to stop acting like it is. destigmatize the conversation it's fine we all go through it and it and honestly I went through one postpartum experience where I was afraid to take any medication I didn't I didn't know what to take I was all over the place and I didn't want to tell anybody and I couldn't tell anybody I was anxious and then a whole nother birthing experience where I was like I'll tell anybody who wants to (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I'll tell you my story and I was like and I'll take the medication and I felt fantastic I was like rainbows and butterflies so I mean I'd much rather have that and and just not worry about it like it doesn't make you weak I, I promise if you
0: have another condition I mean you're gonna take medication this is no different you know like you if you have anxiety or you have OCD you're gonna take medication just like you would if you had diabetes or you know something else god forbid but um yeah destigmatizing the conversation is so important to me um and getting women to advocate for themselves like you said like ask for help accept help um put yourself in the best situation you can um like if you're a first time mom you happen to hear this story and you're pregnant you know just know certain things can happen it may go perfectly well or it may not and if it just in case you need extra support, you know reach out and get that ahead of time, and be ready. be prepared for you know whatever comes your way and just know that women have had babies since the beginning of time, and we are so strong, and we growing a human being and birthing a human being and raising a human being like that is amazing what we do and If you feel a little anxiety or depression or OCD because of doing that, to me, I'm like, that actually makes sense to me, you know, Mm -hmm. with everything that you're putting your body and your mind through. So, um, yeah, definitely just accept where you are and go from there, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still what we do, right, Victoria? Like, we check in, like, daily. (gasps) (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And but I mean, I mean, we talk about everything, but we always check in and there are days where I'll text you and be like, God, I feel so anxious today. Like, I don't yeah. know what it is. I mean, it's few and far between, but I mean, it's still there, but I don't freak out about it. I know it's going to be resolved. I know it'll go away. It's just it's like oh, today is like a not good day,
0: but that's yeah, okay. There, everyone are, bad has, days. Everyone there has are bad
1: days. days. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everyone has bad days. Like today I actually woke up feeling no anxiety. Um, I felt great. I felt like I was floating. I don't know. I was gonna tell you, like I was like, I don't know what happened, but today, like the last couple of days I've had some anxiety. Today, nothing. Like I was like floating on air. I didn't feel it. And I was like, I wish I knew why that happens, you know, like I wish I knew. I, I, I don't know. Um and I'm weaning off of medication right now because it causes weight gain and I'm sick of, you know, the weight gain. So I'm weaning off and the fact that I feel good is a really good sign because last time I weaned off, I felt it and I was not happy and I had to go back on the medication and there's no shame in that either. You know, it's like you 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 do what you need to do for mm-hmm. sure, always. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, any final words of wisdom, Victoria, to everyone?
1: I just think when women talk to each other about becoming a mother and their birth experience, they need to be open and honest and caring and not judge each other mm-hmm. for like who, who did it better or who handled it better. Like, cause I know that that always brings me back. So I feel like it, we all need to like, we're all in this together <laughs> becoming mothers and the process that it is. and and accept help and support each other through it.
0: We're all in this together. I like that. That might be the title of the podcast. I like that because we are, we're all women. We're all, we become mothers and we raise children and it's truly amazing what we do. And I'm not, I'm not trying to short the dads. They're great. And Victoria and I had great husbands who were really supportive during our first pregnancies and postpartum. I know not everybody has that um support, but still we're the ones that went through the brunt of it. We're the ones that gave birth. And so you need to give yourself grace, as I always say, which I never do, but I always
1: say (laughs) grace and I think
0: we've gotten better at giving ourselves grace though,
1: Victoria. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's a process though. That's gonna be a lifelong journey.
0: Yeah. That's going to take forever. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're almost at an hour. Um, thank you so much, Victoria, for coming back and talking about your birth experience. It was so valuable for everybody. Um, so that's the podcast for today. Um, if you have any comments, you can always DM me or leave me a review. Um, it's on Apple and Spotify and Amazon. You can leave your review. I love to read them. You can reach me at LaGaya Means Happiness on Instagram, Facebook, and um, Lagaia Means Happiness at gmail.com if you want to reach me via email. And I know I've been getting a lot of DMs and questions about um, future podcast episode ideas, which I love. I had somebody suggest Reiki and sound healing. I'm still thinking about that one. I'm, I don't like to traverse too far away from Western medicine because I do believe in medication. So I don't know, but I appreciate all the suggestions, um, so much and all of the engagement. So, um, thanks everybody for listening today and I will see you next time.